Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad Good. If this is your first time listening to First Time, let me explain. I bring on a guest, we talk about a first time experience, and it's really that simple. Most of the time, it's a movie or a TV show, but we can talk about anything from food, books, albums, really anything you can experience for the first time. Today, I have a guest who's known me for longer than anybody else because she was there when I was born. I guess my mom and dad would be the only people in the world that have known me for longer because I lived in dad's balls for a while, then I moved into mom for about nine months before you got to meet me. So today's guest is my sister, Jessica Irish. How's it going, Jessica? It's good. Going good today. Not bad. Yeah, so I'm sort of um, cheating on the concept today. It's not necessarily something that I recommended or you recommended. Um, It's not even really a first time recently, but I mean, everything you see at some point is the first time. But I wanted to sort of talk about two movies that I probably wouldn't have seen or wouldn't have such a big influence on my taste in movies if it wasn't for you. So um, we're talking about a couple movies that, I mean, I'll just give a little history. Um, I have, and I'm the youngest of three siblings, um, older sister, older brother. So growing up, we probably watched a lot of Jake's movies first and foremost, because he's the oldest. So we watched Goonies and Karate Kid and a lot of um, boy stuff. And then you know, when you started getting into your own thing yeah. and watching movies and stuff, then we watched a lot of what you watched because we had a very small house and one TV <laughs> and whatever was on the TV is what we all watched. Yes. It was impossible to watch something of your own. So that was okay with me, you know, and obviously being the youngest, I didn't have any preference. I just watched what you guys watched. And so my... Even though I was born in 85, a lot of that stuff that was 80s, and this is, we're going to be talking 90s movies, but, um, you know, to me it was like, I'm not necessarily an 80s kid because I wasn't, you know, I was born in the 80s, but it's not technically an 80s kid, but I watched a lot of that stuff because of my siblings. But then, you know, when you started watching your own thing and getting into movies on your own um, and getting your own taste, you know, that obviously rubbed off onto me and... I watched a lot of stuff, and at the time, I probably thought it was dumb or hated it or pretended uh, yeah, I did. I'm sure you did, yeah. But, um, you know, obviously, I would sit and watch the stuff with you and and say I hated every minute of it, even though I liked it. So our first topic is the 1995 comedy Clueless. So, okay, like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? And it's like, when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right, people came that, like, did not RSVP. So I was, like, totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, squish in extra place settings, and, like, people were on mismatched chairs and all. But by the end of the day, it was like, the more, the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. Wow. You guys talk like grown-ups. Oh, well, this is a really good school. Mr. Hall was way harsh. He gave me a C minus. <laughs> well, he gave me a C, which drags down my entire average. Hello? There was a stop sign. I totally paused. You tried driving in platforms. Oh, should I write them a note? <gasps> Ew! Get off of me! 
Cher's got attitude about high school boys. It's a personal choice every woman has got to make for themselves. Cher is saving herself for Luke Perry. Cher, you're a virgin? I mean, I'm not prude. I'm just highly selective. I mean, you see how picky I am about my shoes, and they only go on my feet. Nice stems. Is that? A dress. Says who? Calvin Klein. What are you doing? Yo, you're getting on the freeway. Get on the freeway. You go, girl. Are you okay? Uh, I'm fine. surgeon doesn't want me doing any activity where balls fly at my nose. Well, there goes your social life. I'm gonna be a supermodel. Alright, so like I said, uh, Clueless was released July 19th, 1995. Written and directed by Amy, Amy Heckerling. Um, this one always stood out to me because, well, first and foremost, when I watched it, I had a huge crush on Cher, Alicia Silverstone. Well, she, everybody did then. You know, she was in Aerosmith movies, or uh, music, music yeah. videos. And so she was, you know, all the guys did. Right. Well, that was sort of her, like, first burst in the public, I guess yeah. you would say, was that video, um, it was crazy, yeah, with was crazy. Uh, Liv Tyler, mm-hmm. his daughter, which I always thought was creepy yeah, and sort of a, uncomfortable. It was a very sexually true. suggestive video, but um, obviously, you know, she was... And, and it wasn't just because she was, you know, gorgeous, but it was just because she was funny and quirky and had that personality. And she still does, and she's still gorgeous and, and awesome. Um, she didn't actually, I would say Clueless is like her um, apex mountain, like the one that she's known most for. A hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Share, but I mean, she did a lot of other things uh, later in her career, and now she's still, she's still acting. She's still doing stuff. Um, she's in a recent... The Lodge, I think it was what it is, uh, a recent horror movie. She's still doing stuff, and she's, uh, you know, not just one of those, like, 90 stars that was in a few things and, and went away, but she definitely, I felt like, probably should have had a bigger career. Um, to be honest with you, what I can't remember what she did right after Clueless or anything, but I can't remember what other movies she was even in, but... Um, she I, was in some, like, dr- like, dramas and some more serious stuff, but she was never really taken seriously. Oh, the, the other big one, Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah. She's like Batgirl, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah she was. Oh, Blast from the Past? That's what that, I was remembering. I was trying to remember that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I pulled it up. That was a funny one. Pulling it up on IMDb just because I, too, forgot. She was in uh, just a lot of stuff. Um, you know, a lot of she does a lot of voiceover work in, later in life, which seems sort of strange just because, you know, she's known for her face and her looks. It's... In a way, I'm not saying that's all she's known for, but I remember uh, the thing she did right after Clueless that people remembered was The Babysitter. And that was like right after Clueless. And it was sort of a weird jump because Clueless was a huge thing. And I don't know if at the time if it was known it was going to be such like a cultural phenomenon. It was probably... Oh, I'm sure, no. And and it became a huge thing. But um, Babysitter, I actually rewatched probably in the last couple of years because it came on like Stars or something. 
and people don't really even like remember it but that was what she followed up clueless with which is sort of weird because it was like big movie and then she did this and you, you probably did it even know. go did it go to the theater yeah or was it just made for tv oh there was she did one called true crime and i think that one went straight to video but then after that she did um something called excess baggage that i don't know about and then blast from the past and she did a lot of you know smaller movies and stuff and then that's when she started getting she did a tv series called brace face and mismatch but that was in the 2000s um i think i know now she's um a mom and you know devotes a lot of her life to her family but well that's sort of like the thing from like 90s actors now like you know they're hitting that age where you know a lot of them are working a lot less or are completely retired like Cameron Diaz has completely stopped acting just to take care of her family and stuff and if you're financially you know good enough that I'm sure she could make royalties off of Clueless and the merchandising and all that shit you know they're still making the new merchandise oh yeah uh especially now well yeah kind of coming back and a lot of the 90s fashion a lot of the 90s culture stuff is coming making a way back now well there's like an ariana grande video that referenced clueless uh-huh. i think and you know i know like rue 21 had a clueless shirt and it of course popped up in my like facebook feed and i sent it to adam i'm like hey you know if you guys get this let me know and he's like oh i already ordered it and i didn't even know he was a fan <laughs> so i was like oh okay but um i think this movie's so special because one it is as the perspective of a female like coming of age story where a mm-hmm. lot of the time, especially around then it was like every story was from a guy's perspective. Um, and then it was written and directed by a female, which huge for that time, right? Huge for that time. And she, Amy Heckerling nailed it. Um, I think that's what makes it so genuine, even though it's like you're watching it. And obviously I don't connect to that character of Claire. And, but it's like, you know, I think about like us, sitting in a two-bedroom house with three kids and her parents slept in the living room and it's like you can't necessarily relate directly to claire but she's a teenage girl still and you guys whether you you know your dad's a lawyer or your dad is a spray painter you still go through the same stuff with boys and and um this sort of bounces off like relationships with each other with each other and um people in high school and making it through high school and the story on this one's really simple it follows claire and her friends um and they have almost every token character. She, which at the time actually is pretty progressive. She right. had a best friend who was black, mm-hmm. um, and you know, then it sort of kicks off with her trying to. Um, she's trying to put two teachers together, hook those two up because she's feeling down about herself, right. and she's like doing a good deed. And then uh, Brittany Murphy's character Ty comes to town, moves in, and she takes her under her wing as like a project sort of. And it's, it's like one of those stories where she discovers herself while trying to help others. Cause mm-hmm. you know, and, and they disguise it pretty well where it's like, you know, she's obviously self-centered and selfish, but they don't make Claire to be out as like a really bad person, which is good. Uh, you know, there's not really anyone you necessarily hate in this movie. No, definitely not. And it just has a lot of people who went on to become obviously much bigger things. This was the first on screen appearance from Paul Rudd, even though it wasn't his first movie. Really? I didn't know that. The first movie he filmed, like actual motion picture, was Halloween 6. Okay. The Curse of Michael Myers. But because of um, Donald Pleasance, who played Dr. Loomis in that movie, he passed away. They had to go back and re edit almost all the movies, so it didn't come out for like another year. 
And so Clueless actually filmed well after Halloween 6, but it came out first. Hmm. So he's older in Clueless, but um, so technically on his like his resume IMDb page, it's like <laughs> Halloween 6 was first. But, but, you know, everybody remembered him from Clueless. And luckily, Paul Rudd is like the nicest, sweetest, funniest guy because... Um, I, I, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, and everybody like... I mean, there's so many names that had their first movie be a horror movie. Um, Leo had, like, Critters 5. Um, they're just uh, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, all these people. Renee Zellweger and uh, Matthew McConaughey were in the same Texas Chainsaw sequel together, and they completely, their, their managers are, like, uh, their publicists, whatever, are, like, you know, never, no interview questions about that. We do not bring that up. They do not mention that. They don't look back on it. They don't want anything to do with it. Why? Because they're embarrassed, and it, it seems like... Um, they just don't want to talk about it. I'm sure if you if you ran into Matthew McConaughey in a room, he would probably love to talk about it and think it's funny. But, you know, as a publicist, they're thinking of their business, you know. But uh, Paul Rudd is like, he absolutely loves talking about Halloween 6. And he was actually booked for a horror convention probably two summers ago. And that lasted all of like 10 minutes because his um, people heard about it and marvel's very protective of their people and so they're like nope no horror conventions unless we are making something off of it because he plays ant-man so um but yeah it's crazy to think like we have britney murphy paul rudd donald Faison, Mm -hmm. um brecken meyer stacy dash jeremy sisto um like i said alicia silverstone there's just a lot of great names in this it's it's, yeah this movie and the next movie we talk about is the same thing it's just packed full and a lot of crossover, too. Yes, There's... a lot of crossover. Because I recently re- rewatched both of them, um, you know, for the podcast. And because the second movie we'll talk about, um, Andrew, had, my husband, hadn't seen yet. But I couldn't believe, you kind of forget how many crossovers there were. But you just also forget how packed full of big names um, the movie is. Yeah, and at the time, it's sort of crazy to think at the time, like, you know, now they're so well-known, but like I said, this movie at the time wasn't a huge production, wasn't a huge budget, but it just hit that perfect nerve. Um, And yeah, like in the story, she's trying to, Claire's trying to get the teachers together, then she tries to, you know, get, um, I guess, is it Ty? Yeah, Ty is Brittany Murphy's character. Yeah, funny thing about that, um, so I watch movies with the... um, Cap, closed captioning. Right. I, I just, I don't hear that well. Like, so anyway, it just... And I mean, there's always stuff going on at your house, th- so. Yes, yes, that too. They spelled Thai, T-A-I. Yeah, that's like how it Mai shows... Like I guess. Yeah, that's how it shows up on Oh, is it? IMDb I wasn't too. sure, because you know, sometimes... Sometimes, it, yeah. They it's... spell things, you're like, what? I wasn't sure if that was... I've never really yeah, well, you thought about that. You wouldn't know, because... I don't know any you know, bef- Before IMDb, you, there's no way to know, I guess, other than the credits, looking at the credits at the end of the movie, but... You know, most people, it, there's no spelling of it. And there's, it's funny, um, well, we, we haven't mentioned the name of the second movie, but it's Can't Hardly Wait. It, I mean, you, you're going to see this in the description of the, when you listen, but um, it's funny because there's a lot of characters in that movie that don't have names, but if you watch the credits, they have them as like, uh, you know, crying girl, whatever, yeah. this, this type mm-hmm. of thing. And there's a few of those in, in this movie too. But um, yeah, after she takes Ty under her wing and tries to as a project at first and then you know ty becomes super popular um obviously she moves to school and and one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they introduce ty and it's sad because we don't have Brittany murphy with us anymore and she was awesome and she was awesome so funny and uh 
you know, they, when they introduce her, she's, you know, I guess, I forget where she came from. Is it like, it seems like she has like a Brooklyn or New York type yeah, accent or something. The East Coast sure maybe. But um, it's in one of the, a scene, the reason I bring this up is because when I was a kid and watched this, I had this joke went completely over the jokes in that scene completely went over my head there's a lot of jokes in the whole movie a lot of right. other things i um that just went right over my head yeah and still like every time i watch it i catch little things oh yeah and yeah. that scene has probably like three or four zingers right in a row where amber who is the weirdest character <laughs> she's so weird the weirdest character in the movie because she's obviously still friends with claire in the group because she hangs out with them and they're when they're doing when claire's taking the pictures of them and stuff She's, like, hanging out with them. But then they're mean to her all the time, and she's mean back to them all the time, and she's just weird. But, yeah, she definitely, there's definitely some lines in that first scene that ties in that my friends now even still say. Yeah. And even still joke about. Well, it's just weird. Like I said, Cher, like, when she's taking the group photos, um... She's there. Amber's hanging out with them as if she's with part of the group of friends. But then every time they the characters are in the same place, like Cher's picking on her mm-hmm. or has some. But the movie sort of makes her Amber to be out like as a villain, like the mean bitch, and that mm-hmm. she's always stealing Cher's thunder and stealing her style and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's I've never quite figured out that character, like Amber, if she's actually. I mean, did you guys have part of like a person in your group that would hang out, but everyone? Like didn't want them there. Oh, I don't but know. did we have a Brett? Well, d- <laughs> Brett was no. like everyone picked on him, but it wasn't like um, he was still a friend. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I and you know, I guess I hadn't really thought about like what was the point of her. I guess kind yeah. of is it just? Yeah, it's it's a strange thing, but um, there's that scene where they're at they're they're in gym class, uh-huh. and obviously they have a gym teacher who's a lesbian. Um, which I don't remember like. Uh, realizing that because they said something to her about when there's a scene where they're going through the teacher's lounge to figure out and they were they were like oh you know Miss Stoger she's uh, same sex oriented and I don't think I ever remember I didn't know any gay people then but I didn't even think anything of it I don't think yeah and she's they're, they're doing tennis and they have like a tennis ball shooter like a machine that shoots them out and they hit them and uh I think Amber has like a doctor's note. Uh-huh. She says from her plastic surgeon that she can't have balls flying at her face. Uh-huh. And then, um, is it, uh, who is it that it's not? Cher. It was Dion. Dion. Yeah. She says something like, um, well, there goes, there goes your, your social life. There goes your social life. And then, <laughs> and then like right after is when we're introduced to Ty and she walks in and they pull her in and they're like, come here, come here. You know? And they're like, she goes, you know, do you know where I can get any herbal supplements? meaning weed like pot and i didn't get that until like no. recently and then they're like you know yeah we can get some i think uh dion says you know we can get some tea over lunch thinking they're ignorant to it um which is an interesting thing because it's like they're rich girls but they don't they don't do drugs you know um and they're like you know we can we can have some tea over lunch and then she says you know do you want a coke and she's like, oh, shit, you guys got coke yeah. here? <laughs> and as a kid, I had no idea that reference. No, I thought, oh, where she came from, they didn't have Coca-Cola? Right, Like, yeah. whoa, like, oh, she must be from somewhere where they have Pepsi instead. Right, and the writing on that's so clever. Like, it is. Little tiny jabs that are so funny. Um, but it's like, 
as a kid, I, I laughed at them, but now it's like even more funny. And I, I wonder if like high schoolers even got that joke when they watched it, but I guess it depends on your lifestyle. Oh or yeah. Where you're from I and think, stuff. yeah, definitely. There you go. There you go. All right. Share. Earth to share. Come in, share. Miss <laughs> oh oh Stoger, I would just like to say that physical education in this school is a disgrace. I mean, standing in line for 40 minutes is hardly aerobically effective. I doubt I've worked off the calories in a stick of carefree gum. Well, you certainly exercise your mouth, Cher. Now hit the ball. Ms. Stoger, that machine is just a lawsuit waiting to happen. Thanks for the legal advice. Dion, you're up. Oh, no, Ms. Stoger. I have a note from my tennis instructor, and he would prefer it if I didn't expose myself to any training that might derail his teachings. Fine. Amber? Miss Stoger, my plastic surgeon doesn't want me doing any activity where balls fly at my nose. Well, there goes your social life. Miss <laughs> Stoger? Got another one. Ladies, we have a new student with us. This is Ty Frazier. Ty, you don't have time to change, but you could hit a few balls in those clothes. She could be a farmer in those clothes. <laughs> Dee, my mission is clear. Would you look at that girl? She is so adorably clueless. We've got to adopt her. Cher, she is toe up. Our stock would plummet. Dee, don't you want to use your popularity for a good cause? No. Come here. Yeah, come here. Hang with us. Oh, thank you. <laughs> How do you like California? Man, I'm freaking. I could really use some sort of an herbal refreshment. Oh, well, we do lunch in 10 minutes. We don't have any tea, but we have Coke and stuff. No shit, you guys got Coke here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is America. But um, shares the whole time she's trying to hook up uh, Ty with Elton, who's played by Jeremy Sisto. Um, and and uh, Ty always said his name so weird. Did you ever notice that? Like, no. you or I would normally just say like Elton. Yeah. She'd always be like Elton, like like really pronounce that T. Yeah. It's really something that like Elton. Or like something. she just the way she said it says it in the movie just stands out to me. Yeah, and um, I've always liked him as an actor. I wish he was in more stuff because I don't know if it's because of this movie or not, but it felt like you know he sort of got typecast too. And a lot of people just recognize him as um, Elton from this movie. But then, you know, um, Ty has a crush clearly on Travis, who's played mm -hmm. by Brecken Meyer, which is mm -hmm. funny looking forward now. Like in that movie, they portray him as the long haired stoner who skateboards and he's right. a loser. But, um, you know, later in life, he becomes like the cute guy in a lot of movies. Uh, yeah. Very funny, smart ass guy. But in this movie, he is like. I feel like if I was a girl watching this, I probably would have had a crush on him. He is the sweetheart of the movie. Him, I... and, him and Paul Rudd are just so sweet, but um, obviously Travis was written to be very sweet, and that's why, you know, Ty has a huge crush on him. And right. it sort of shows, like, the, I guess, the hollowness of Cher at times because she's sort of trying to pull pull uh Ty away from him and be like no you don't want to date him you don't want right. to date him even though he's the nicest guy to right. her and will do anything and he's he's sweet to everybody that's what is so cool about Travis is like even though he's considered to be part of that like skateboarder group you know because they they have that scene where they're, they're showing the different cliques that's of one of my favorite scenes yeah it, it, like that one that scene really really like for for teenagers 
at the time, well, at the time or now even, I guess, probably, like, just to go through, like, here's this group and this group and this group, like, it's just, that's... Well, every, yeah, every high school had their cliques and different oh, groups, yeah. obviously not that extreme, but no, I, I but... imagine even in, like, California, it probably wasn't that extreme, but um, I imagine it was much more like that there, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah, because social status, I mean... Yeah. That social status and more diversity. We're yes. in Iowa, so we're yes. not going to have a Persian group or, right. you know, uh, Asian group, that yeah. kind of stuff. But um, I do like that this movie, for even for its time, and it is probably due to being written and directed by a female, is like it doesn't have too many um, moments that aged poorly. Like mm-hmm. they treat their characters of color with so much respect and, you know, um, they don't they don't play on those stereotypes like you don't really they never really even go on the fact that uh dion is black like it doesn't matter in this movie which is good like after watching some movies from that time and there's some really bad stereotypical stuff where they you know it's like the token black guy or that you know the say and it's like in this movie it's it's sort of um dion is like just as up there with with share as far as popularity and, and looks and everything like there's nothing it doesn't matter that she's black is i guess what right. i'm trying to say like they they wrote her just as if she was a normal every like just like everybody else so one of the things too i think that you know you're talking about how it's kind of timeless um one scene that sticks out to me is the refugee de- debate where you know share um and amber are debating in class and Cher's talking about, oh, you know, the more the merrier, you know, does it say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty? Right. You know, um, and that's something that's, you know, relevant today. Right. Still. And so that, yeah, that's very interesting. A lot of that stuff is still relevant. Well, it's funny you bring up that scene because um, when they were filming it, Alicia Silverstone did not know how to say Haitians. So in the movie, she says like Hadians. Okay. And um, that wasn't part of the script, like, for her to say it wrong. And Amy Heckerling thought it was really funny and something that Cher would do. Yeah, So they So they didn't correct her and let her film it and then told her afterwards. And she was like, you know, oh, we we need to reshoot it. And she's like, no, that's what Cher would do. Right. So it's sort of funny that that was like a happy accident. Um, So she kept it in the film because it was genuine. Um, from what I'm, I've read, Paul Rudd actually auditioned for the roles of Murray, Christian, and Elton. Um, he assumed that the character of Murray was a white teenager, so trying to act like a rapper. So he <laughs> auditioned for that. <laughs> that would be... It'd be fun to see that yeah. audition tape. But um, obviously, he, he got the role of Josh, which fits him pretty well in this movie. It's funny because he's like, in this movie, he's considered the older guy. Mm-hmm in the movie and you know he's supposed to be a college kid and stuff and it's like fast forward to current times he still looks exactly the same pretty much and you know this cast has aged pretty well you could probably look at almost everybody in this and they all still look pretty good but they were mm-hmm. 15 year, 15 and 16 year olds that's uh, it just blew my mind thinking that they were like going through all this stuff when yeah at 15 and 16 I yeah don't know. I guess it's just because my high school experience was a lot different, but yeah, and the the writers actually sat in classes on in Beverly Hills uh, High to get a flavor for students. So they actually like sat in during the classes to sort of see what their body language and how they spoke to each other, that kind of stuff was. 
um, the part of Mr. Hall, who's mm-hmm. one of the teachers that that Cher hooks up with another teacher, um, plays matchmaker, was based on a real Beverly Hills High debate teacher named Herb Hall, a friend of the director, Amy Heckerling. As a favor, the real Herb Hall was given the part of the school principal. So the real teacher that it was based on oh, is the principal in the movie. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, a lot of little weird facts I found online while doing half-assed research. I found, um, I found one because I wanted to know if Murray's um, braces were real. Yeah. Did you look at this at all? No. Okay, so um, they were fake, but the reason that they gave him braces in the movie was because he still had some baby teeth, and he mm. had little teeth. His teeth were oh, okay. tiny. And um, so the braces kind of hid his, um, I guess, not perfect smile. Yeah. So uh, they were fake because of that. That's interesting. I don't know why I wanted to know that, but I, yeah. that, was, that was something I that I needed to know. I'm sure, yeah, when you're auditioning, if you'd audition with braces for a movie with, like, high schoolers, you know, it'd be sort of like a no-go, but um, that's an interesting workaround. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, during the film, there are 53 different kinds of tartan and plaid used, seven of which <laughs> are worn by Cher and 12 by other major characters. Uh, I've always liked plaid. Yeah. Actors who auditioned for this film include Reese Witherspoon for Cher, Terrence Howard for Murray, Jeremy Renner for Christian and Josh, Zoe Dachanel for Amber and Cher, Owen Wilson for Travis, oh. Leah Remney for, for Ty, Seth Green for Travis, and Lauren Hill for Dion. Like, could... Lauren Hill from, like, the... Does she even act in anything, really? I, I don't know, but that's from interesting. The Fugees, right? Right, yeah. That's funny. Uh, and, you know, those are, I mean, so Seth many Green people. Seth Green could have done a good job. Yeah, and so many people audition. And him and Breckenmeyer are, like, best friends. So, and very similar. They are very similar, yes, yeah, they so, are. so, you know, but I, I love, I think, you know, Travis is probably my favorite character in the movie just because, maybe because I related to him. He was, like, I was a skateboarder. And, yeah. I, lo- I loved one of the first things that Ty says to him is, like, I can do Marvin Mar- the Martian. Yeah, it's very 90s. Like Yeah, and, like... And in the you know cafeteria line right. and uh, getting her little binder out to show yeah that was very nineties yeah and he was like super impressed he's like you drew those you didn't trace those right you didn't yeah. trace them <laughs> uh, Amy Heckerling met with Elisa Witt Reese Witherspoon Carrie Russell and Tiffany Thiessen for the role of Cher Angelina Jolie Gwyneth Paltrow were both considered for the role but neither auditioned no way they uh, they are I wonder if they see, well I guess they just seem older but. Well, Ben Affleck and Zach Braff both auditioned for Josh. Um, oh, yeah. Seth Green, again, auditioned for Travis. Alana Ubach auditioned for Ty, which I'm not sure who that is. I don't uh, know. Terrence Howard auditioned for Murray, while Dave Chappelle met with Heckerling to discuss the role. Dave Chappelle. So he what? Didn't, but he was in a lot of 90s stuff, but he's a little bit older. He was in Con Air in 96, so this is the next year after Con Air. So, but he was, he was like in his 20s, which, you know... That's what they, I mean, yeah. the 20-year-olds played high schoolers all the time. Jamie Walters time. auditioned for Christian. Sarah Michelle Geller was offered the role of Amber, but had to turn it down when the soap opera All My Children refused to allow her time away. She'd have been good for that. Yeah. Um, Jerry Orbach was offered the role of Mel Horowitz, but was <laughs> similarly could not get away from his show Law & Order, while Harvey Keitel was deemed too expensive to be cast in the part. So Harvey Keitel, I'm not even sure... That's wild, just because he's uh, known for like 
gritty genre films. He was from like uh, he's in a lot of Tarantino stuff oh, okay. and, and Taxi Driver and uh, but th- this one I that blew my mind was Stacy Dash was the oldest cast member of all the students. She was twenty nine years old. <gasps> what? Yeah, she was twenty nine when they filmed this. She was older than Paul Rudd. Everybody. Really? Yeah. It when I when I keep thinking about that, I keep thinking of like Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero. You know. And their characters were all older too, and but twenty nine. She was playing a sixteen year old. Yeah, half her age. That's crazy. But and you. She doesn't look. No, at not all. at all. Yeah. Oh. Uh, there's a lot of weird little references in this movie. Um, when Cher is waiting for Christian's call, the camera angle and shot make the phone look like the stone monument from two thousand one, A Space Odyssey, and the music is playing in the background from that movie too. I, I know exactly what scene you're talking about, yeah. and I don't, like, I didn't know, you know, for sure if that was, like, done yeah, and that's purpose a really... or not. You know, it's one of those things you're, you're watching, you're like... Is that... Well, it's a weird reference, because it's like, how many teenage girls that are watching Clueless have watched A Space Odyssey? Like, right. it's a weird right. uh, filmmaker thing, but obviously, uh, Amy Heckerling knew her stuff, so it's sort of cool little reference. Um, I told you about this one the other day, but if you look really carefully at the commercial when ty is like singing along to the mentos commercial uh-huh. in the living room uh ryan reynolds is actually in that commercial i was gonna go back and watch that i forgot I'm, i will i'm gonna have to go back and see watch and it. i guess the plot characters themes and values are all based on jane austen's novel emma i did know that yeah i've never read it i don't know anything about it but amy heckling was asked by paramount to write a film for teenagers and she instantly remembered this novel she read as a teenager so it's loosely based on that but i i don't know much about that um I don't either. I knew it was based on um, a book, but I couldn't remember what it was. But I don't know that book either. Yeah, so in terms of the cast, for instance, Cher is Emma, Josh is Mr. Knightley, Ty is Harriet Smith, Elton is Mr. Elton, which makes sense. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> Travis is Robert Martin, uh, which doesn't mean much to me. I, c- I could go on, but I don't know the novel. So if you've read it, you probably uh, can recognize the connections there. But um, yeah. There's, you know, just little weird things. Um, I remember when I first probably watched this, I didn't even quite understand that Christian was gay. Like, I didn't either. even after he came out, I was sort of like, because no. rewatching it, it was like a certain age you hit the point where you realize when that, that hilarious scene when uh, Dion's learning yes. to drive. And Murray says, well, he, he's a cake boy. Right. And you're like, what? Okay, yeah. cool. Like, yeah. Yeah, that and that scene is a crazy scene too. Like every every scenario that was bad that bad happened to somebody driving happens in that scene. And then <laughs> and then there's that little joke right at the end that that uh, Cher just adds on where it's like, uh, and that was the last time that she was a virgin, right? right. Yeah, right. And it's sort of funny, but um, it's. I mean, I guess from what I was reading too, there's all kinds of little foreshadowing clues as to uh, Christian being gay that are, I mean, obviously like the first scene you see him, like now if you watch right. it, it'd be like, you know, he has a super nice style. He's too good looking. He drives a super nice car, like not to be stereotypical, but he, you know, has a lot of those traits, but, um, he always reminded me of Brandon Walsh on Beverly Hills. Oh, Mother's absolutely. Window. Like the hair and stuff like oh, yeah. that. So like for me, it was never like, I didn't obviously immediately think that. I thought, oh, here's another, here's, here's Just our a good home. looking dude. Here's yeah. our, our, uh, our crush. But, um, yeah, he, I, it, it didn't, it went right over my head. 
but there's there's a lot of little foreshadowing things that I didn't notice until I even read about them, like even after watching it a million times. But there's the scene where he calls Cher and he's like, you know, I'm going to pick you up or something. He's at like an art gallery and the mm-hmm. painting behind him is like two men embracing. Um, there, When he brings over the movies and that first scene that she tries to sort of hook up with him, right. flirt with him. Um, he brings over Tony Curtis movies and both of them, Tony Curtis plays gay characters um, just little tiny clues that Amy Herkeling snuck in to foreshadow that, you know, clue in people who would be in the know that he's gay. I love when she, when Cher tries to, um, like play footsie with him and she's like, oh, my feet are cold. And he grabs a pillow and plops yeah. it on top of her feet and, and that solves the problem. Right. <laughs> and he's clearly like, that's the first scene where we see him sort of not as the cool guy. Like right. he's so, and, and even like the scene where they're somehow at like a small mighty mighty bostones or no it's um is it mighty mighty bostones yeah i think it was yeah they're that that, like show yeah yeah, that party and that's like at the time even then they were like a huge ska band so Mm -hmm. there's no way that Mm -hmm. would be such a small show but um you know they're hanging out afterwards and he's like i'm gonna go to the after party and stuff and right he's flirting with the bartender yeah um yeah but i i don't know i still just but he's so smooth and mm-hmm. uh, funny, and it's it's nice that you know they even for ninety what was this ninety five they make it out like it's not like when it happens Cher is open to it and she's like oh okay you know she's not mad at him right. she she's mad at herself for not seeing it and then is like now he's my best shopping friend you right. know and that's really cool because a lot of I guess this is sort of late but I guess like late 80s early 90s there's a lot of like and even i guess even this time there was a lot of what they call gay panic where like um like a, a gay guys are basically used as a joke in the movie like right. if they touch another guy or flirt with or said something you know it would get the crowd laughing or you know the audience laughing and used as like a plot devo- device and i'm glad that she didn't do that because a lot of especially a lot of uh comedies around this time just did that and it's it's a bad look now so it still holds up and you know the the way they treated him was good too so i feel like there was a lot in that movie that like you know obviously there was a lot that i did you know relate to but there's things in it that like i know you know they're they're drinking starbucks they're eating turkey bacon they're Mm -hmm. doing all these things that like well god we got a starbucks what 10 years ago? Yeah. Something like that. In like, a Target, yeah. Yeah, in a Target, yeah. Right, like, it was, like, what, two years ago we got an actual Starbucks. Right. And, you know, just all these little things that, like, made no sense to a Midwestern um, teenage girl, but... Yeah. It just... It, the dad making $500 an hour. Yeah. Things like that just went... I guess I just looked the other way or just... And... and maybe envied a little bit. Shares, um relationship with her dad is actually really hilarious because yeah. he's so angry all the time but you know that he loves her yeah. um, and obviously she takes care of him and he can be so grouchy and mean but it does not ever break share like she's no. always like looks right past it and moves on mm-hmm. and, and tries to you know help him in any way she can and that scene where she has ty over for dinner and he's sitting in a chair and he's like daddy here's my this is my friend ty and he's like get out of my seat <laughs> and she's like so scared and then and then dion calls her phone and uh He's like, no, no phones at the dinner table. Uh-huh. And then he, his phone rings and then she picks it up and it's like, we're going to the party out in the valley. Uh, and that's when she gets, you know, um, robbed and, you know, the, the held up at gunpoint and the dude asks her to lay down and she's like, but I'm wearing this uh-huh. designer dress and uh-huh. 
really funny stuff. First thing she thinks of is that. I, I like the scene with the he's into where they're in his office and she's like making him tea. I don't know, something. And she just grabs a lemon out of the tree out, right outside the window. Yeah. Like, how perfect. We've got a lemon tree right here. Yeah. Or how proud he is that she negotiated her grades. Yeah. Like, who does that? Right. And that's the whole plot device of the of her getting, Cher getting the teachers together because she's getting a C in his class. Right. And... You know, she brings the, she doesn't want to bring the report card home until she has time to try mm-hmm. to raise up her grades and she gets all of them but that one. And then, you know, she makes, she, she puts these two teachers and with each other connects them. And then suddenly we're, uh, you know, everything's okay again and mm-hmm. pretty funny stuff. Um, the ending was always sort of weird because it's like Cher ends up with her ex-brother-in-law. Yeah. But ex, ex-stepbrother. ex yeah, yeah, ex-stepbrother. Because his mom was married to her to, dad. Right. Which, you know, obviously now, like, everybody's parents are divorced. Uh, and at the time, it was still pretty rampant. So, especially for, like, a lawyer, it sort of fits him. Right. You know, he's an angry dude who has no time for anything but work. Um, and, you know, he plays, uh, Josh plays, like, the, he's the smart college student, but, mm-hmm. you know, very sweet, nice dude. Uh Obviously, him and Cher are polar opposites in some ways, but right. that's, you know, they say opposites attract. So it, 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 you can sort of see that relationship building over the movie, but also it's like, is that a sibling relationship? And then later, and it's always sort of been a weird thing, but. It was always weird to me. Yeah. I, I'm not, I still think it's weird. I still, when I watched it last weekend, whatever it was, like the ending scene, like, when they're at a wedding together mm-hmm. and uh, at the teacher's wedding. Yeah. I still just thought it was weird. I don't know. Yeah. Like I just can't, I don't know. And I, I read that in that scene where, uh, the teacher throws the bouquet, uh-huh. the woman who's like fighting all the girls to get the bouquet is actually Amy Heckerling, the director. She had, oh. that was her only like cameo in the movie is That's she's fun. in the audience. But, uh, you know, it's nice because Ty actually, you know, does finally realize that she likes Travis mm-hmm. and she just accepts that she likes Travis because Cher was trying to get her to like Elton and then Elton didn't like her, but she never even, I felt like didn't even like Elton. She just did it because so Cher, either, yeah. Cher was trying to, and then she thought she liked Josh, but it was just because Josh was nice to everybody. And then it's like when she realized that it was okay to be herself and like Travis, it's just like... It's just nice, good writing. Well, and I think, too, she kind of thought it was okay because, remember, um, Cher kind of started talking to him a little bit to Travis, got to know him a little bit. He invited her to the skate show. Yeah. And she went, and that's when, well, that's when her and Ty made up after they fought, and, uh, you know, Ty called her a virgin who can't drive. Right. Um, (laughs) That was so harsh. Right, and I heard uh, that Brittany Murphy, like, years and years later um when talking about this always said that was like one of her favorite funny lines because at the time she was a virgin that couldn't drive (laughs) how old did you know how old she was in the the movie i don't know she's probably pretty young um funny now that i know that um dion was 29 stacy stacy dash i wondered but yeah she would have been pretty young then yeah, I I love that line though. The way she says it, like you're just a virgin who can't drive. Right. And um, when she shows up with like her um Elton box. Right. It's Wants got to like burn all stuff. Yeah. Like one tape, the Rolling with the Homies song, yeah, and which you, you could couldn't just buy on a single, I'm right? Sure, like, single cassette. 
Um, which is just crazy to me now, but, and the towel that had ice in it, like, yeah. like it, nothing. Yeah. And that's, that's a, another great thing is the soundtrack is, is pretty darn yeah. good. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I listen to it from time to time, just a collection of songs and it's interesting. I don't think the official soundtrack had some of those songs that are in the movies just because of rights and licensing, mm-hmm. like you could use in a movie, but it's a whole different thing to put it on a CD or at the time a CD or a cassette and sell it. But, um, it's very uh, much a excuse me a time capsule of 95 and some really great songs and um i love the opening even though we're, we're jumping all over but the opening where i think they're is it playing they're playing like kids in america and, oh yeah and and Cher has that great voiceover and she's like you know this looks like a noxima commercial but it's me and my friends uh-huh. you know and um uh, i guess like from what i was reading too if i remember correctly they're um, costume budget was actually smaller than you would think, and the the only like the most expensive dress was one like or or outfit was one that Cher wore in that opening title, and you only see it for a few seconds, and it was like some high end designer. But other than that, like they mostly made their um, outfit so they wouldn't have to like. That was one of the one of my favorite things about about it in the beginning when they she's got that computer to pick out her outfit, mm-hmm. pick out her outfit. I thought that was just. That was complete foreign concept to me, but it was so cool. I thought it was just the coolest. Yeah, and I'm rewatching it recently as sort of seeing that, and it's like, I'm surprised that people don't utilize that now because we have smart. I'm sure there's an app for that. Oh, I'm sure. Where you can inventory your clothes and do that. Oh but, yeah, um, I'm sure that there is. But it's like I don't know anyone that uses something like that. You would think that would be like a popular thing. I don't know. Probably rich people still. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. There's also I th- I think. <laughs> I think there's like, you know, those, um, like birch box, but for clothes where they like, you, you send them a picture of you and what your style is and they Stitch send fix. you, yeah. And they send you like stuff like that. So it's sort of like that, like the future of that style, like, like style, being a stylist. Yeah. But that's that. Yeah. That, that was really cool at the time and that sort of dates it, but not, I mean, it's no. really not as bad as some of like the 80 stuff where computers could like create like in weird science create a woman you know the dream woman or whatever but um yeah it's it's just sort of crazy like ahead of its time really a lot of oh absolutely i think it was definitely ahead of its time um but like you said maybe it wasn't if you were living in california or living somewhere like that maybe maybe it was some of those things people were able to relate to a little bit more but um for us from here it definitely was ahead of its time but i didn't like i said i didn't even think much about a lot of that like like until you till you said today even too like not that not making a big deal that like dion is is black and i never even right you know thought about that but it is true that even though you have some of your quote token people it's not like pointed out like that right and i think there was like a a spinoff series of this wasn't there like a clueless tv series very so. short-lived probably i think so and there's a million references to this one everywhere um um there's there's a lot still going on and like i said a lot of people i know my age still like just not that long ago it wasn't it was in the last couple months one of my friends um i have this plaid checkered shirt and she says you could be a farmer in those clothes oh yeah um which is another one from the gym scene. Yeah. But um, I think it was an Amber quote. Yeah. But that that's 
uh, you know, still say those kind of things today. Yeah, because I think the gym teacher says, she says, like, she she doesn't have her gym clothes with her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, you can you can play tennis in those clothes. And then Amber replies, like, you could be a farmer in those clothes. Mm-hmm. I still say sometimes, too, like, um, when she, when Cher is driving with Josh and she, like, pretty much runs a stop sign and she's like, I totally paused. Yeah. I still say that sometimes, too. When, um, oh, yeah, her horrible driving test is oh, so funny. Oh, yeah. You tried driving in stilettos. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, so did I pass? <laughs> Do I leave a note? <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of, uh, I won't mention names, but I know I have a friend who, when he was learning to drive, hit someone on a bike, and uh, his dad told him to keep driving. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, he was, in the, he was in the way. Keep going. I've hit a thing or two in my time. I get it. Yeah, I've been in a car when you've hit a thing We or didn't two. leave a note at Target. No, no. That's probably your fault. Oh, sure. But um, did you have any other notes or any thoughts on this one? Um, I don't think so. Um, oh, I uh, I did like when she was um, having Christian over and she burned that roll of cookies. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, she says, like, whenever your boy comes over, you should always have something baking. But she just, like, plops the whole thing down yeah. and, like... Like a, yeah, prepackaged thing of cookie dough. Yeah. A roll. I don't, and I just remember thinking, like, where is she getting this advice? Like, where she has to have the perfect lighting and the... I, rem- I imagine at the time it was a big thing, like, on, like, the front of Cosmo or different things. It oh, always, could be Seventeen magazine. Yeah, they always had like eighteen different ridiculous headlines that were, you know, yeah. exact rules on how to pick up a guy or whatever. And yeah, and then he shows up and he's like, "Oh, honey, you shouldn't have." <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, he's he's funny too because when he shows up at the house and you know uh, is talking to Cher's dad and you know he's like. They're going back and forth. He he's matching up with him, like you know, mm-hmm. he's not backing down, and he's he's giving him some. I guess you'd say some tongue and getting back and being a smartass to him back and forth. That dialogue's pretty funny. Seeing two characters that match up pretty well, and and how and then um, you know how in that scene, um, Dad is like, "What are you wearing? Like, go put something else on." You know, and she's like, "I totally was," and she puts that sheer thing on. Yeah. I just saw on TikTok yesterday. Travis Barker did that with his daughter okay. did a tiktok with that sound oh, of that funny. scene where he's like what are you wearing you know go back and put something on she's like i totally was or i totally am like that's uh i just saw that yesterday so that's another you know clue that it's still oh yeah relevant today yeah yeah it was, it's yeah it's a good line and i'm glad we never like i said there was a tv i think there was like a series but we never had a like sequel or anything which is good like, it doesn't need a sequel. No, like, it doesn't need a sequel. Unless they're going to do one now and show us where they're at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a big trend right now. But it's like, um, there's so many, like, later on when they did, like, Mean Girls 2 that went straight to DVD, that kind of stuff. I guess it doesn't really ruin the original anyway, but it's like, just let it be its own thing. And it's a big cultural phenomenon. I love Mean Girls. Yeah. We'll have to come back and do another one of that. But, yes, um, for sure. Yeah. That that was uh, Clueless from 1995, one of my favorites, one of your favorites, and something that, you know, you introduced to me, so. And at the end, when she says it all boiled down to one conclusion, I was totally clueless. Yeah. Good, good way to wrap up that part. Yes. And um, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, 
home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. All right, and we're back with part two of our two-part episode. The second movie, we're just going to jump right into it, is Can't Hardly Wait from 1998. At first, it was also unbelievable. Mike Dexter wanted to date me. I know why I started dating him. I just don't know why I did it for so long. Well, he is the most dope guy in school. Yeah, and school's over. This party tonight? Amanda suddenly being single? is fake. Fate has opened me a window. Yo, I got to have sex tonight. It took me all day, but I narrowed it down to a list of 10 very lucky finalists. You know what I'm saying? Do you think there'll be any girls there? Are you kidding me? People may even be having sex tonight. Oh. Get out of the way! Kiss my Have you seen Amanda Beckett? Yeah, imagine just saw her in there. I'm thinking about asking her out, boy. Oh, God, you're a hottie. I filled this with seven bottles of vodka last September. It's been in my freezer for... All right, y'all, check it. Time to get busy. Who does he think he is, Brad Pitt? And you're like, Glennon. But with bigger boobs. Totally bigger boobs. I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs! Columbia Pictures presents an event 18 years in the making. When you find out who your friends really are. I don't think she's prettier than Gwyneth. Not even. What your future really holds. I am going to have sex with someone at this party. And how one night can change your life. I don't know about you, but I really believe that there's one person out there. And for me, it's got to be Amanda. right there why don't you take a look okay you're white guys like us we are a dime a dozen there is fate but it only takes you so far because once you're there it's up to you to make it happen amanda can't hardly wait Written and directed by Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan. This one came out in 98. Um, this is like a big sort of mishmash of characters all over the place. Uh, I get this was three years after Clueless, so um, a little bit different in tone and different perspective, mostly from a male perspective, but it also has a little bit of the female perspective too. But we have a lot of different side plots going on in this one. Um, I had actually asked you when we talked about doing a podcast if you wanted to do Clueless or this one. You said this one uh, can't hardly wait, and I said I still want to do Clueless, so <laughs> let's just do both of them, you know, and uh, we'll make a really long episode. So um, this one the stars Jennifer Love Hewitt and Ethan Embry. Jennifer Love Hewitt at the time. Um, this was, I think, before she did the um, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer movies. Those, I think, came out a little bit after. So... 
at the time she wasn't quite the name that she was she became she became like a huge especially that time period was a huge name ethan wasn't either no ethan Henry wasn't either and ethan outside of this movie didn't really i mean he did some great stuff and he's doing some Mm -hmm. really great stuff right now he's a really great dramatic actor but he never really was like a heartthrob like jtt and you know that was well before him but i mean looking back at this movie i mean he even in the movie he looks older than a high schooler he has like the receding hairline and i always thought he was cute though oh yeah i mean i guess when i think about all the people in this movie he was to me the cutest but well it's his he's very charming personality wise Mm and uh very funny his timing's perfect in this movie um this one is pretty the the plot the main plot's pretty simple um ethan who plays preston preston myers in this movie they're high school seniors they're about to graduate and everybody's about to split and go to colleges he's a very smart guy um going to a nice school he has a really close friend um named denise that he hangs out with all the time like his female sidekick and he has a huge crush on amanda beckett who's like the hot popular girl at the school dating the um, quarterback quarterback of the high school very typical um she's gorgeous brunette um and he has he's had this crush for since like elementary school and since she got since the first time he met her right or even like saw her right because i don't even think they've officially met when in this movie like really talked it's really cool when she shows up at school that scene where like you don't see her face right that's really cool yeah the the whole like introduction to the scene where they he first sees her and she shows Mm -hmm. up in class as a new kid and uh he remembers he's eating like a pop tart what kind of pop tart and stuff and yeah they're very um careful not showing her face i think they're playing like uh smash mouth music or something yeah 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 so it's very much of the times but um yeah, he has this crush on her. He writes this long, really long note to her, and he keeps a hold of it and never gives it to her. And he's finally, you know, every opportunity, he's he's avoided it, and now he's convinced he's going to do it at this big end-of-the-year party where all the seniors are going to be at. and where and all the big actors and actresses of the time are at. <laughs> right. And his uh, in his mind, it's going to be, you know... He's got it. This whole situation played out in his head. He's going to give her this note. She's going to fall for him, and they're going to live happily ever mm-hmm. after as a couple. Uh, obviously, that doesn't happen because that would be a pretty boring and quick movie. But there's tons of side plots in this movie. Um, there's the nerdy character um, that is, William. yeah, William, who has it out for the for the uh, quarterback uh-huh. um, and all the all the sort of popular kids. Him and his two super nerdy friends are going to go and sabotage him, set him up, um, pretty much blackmail him, get him some, right. get, get him in some bad pictures, which is funny at the time because they're like, we're going to take um, Polaroids of him, uh-huh. you know, and it's like, that's so outdated now. Everybody has a has a camera in their pocket, but um, there's, a, there's a side story of um, that's the same quarterback. He's going, to, you know, the, him and Amanda break up and they're going, he, he convinces all of his other boys, his friends, they have a group that they should break up with their girlfriends mm-hmm. and they're going to just have like the best uh, time in college and meet new girls right. and the best summer, their last summer before they all move away. And, um, and then Seth Myers or um, Seth Green's Green. character, uh, he and his boys are convinced they're going to go get to get to this party and the girls are going to be all over them and they're going to get laid and (laughs) and 
just so much going on in this movie and you know it jumps from one story to the next to the next and um the prime story is uh preston and, and amanda as he follows her around this party trying to find the right time to basically give her this letter um and all the funny things that happen in between to to prevent that from happening it's like the longest night ever right but it's it's great because it's like played out in real time um you know and i haven't it's been maybe a couple weeks since i watched this one so um my details are a little more rusty but i'm sure it'll be like when you bring up things or i if i as as i remember scenes it'll be like oh yeah 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 you know one of the one of the reasons that i think i watched this and watched it so many times uh was my best friend leah loved Seth Green. Yeah. Still does. And I just remember, you know, when we were in high school, I'm like, gross. He's like, he's short. He's got red hair. hair. Yeah. Like I, and it might be some references to people with red hair when I was a kid that I didn't like. <laughs> but I was just like, gross. Like I never, even now I don't think he's, um, I'm not attracted to him and she still is. But um, he, that's why we, watch this so many times and because it's just it's funny i think it's funny i there's so many funny parts to it yeah there's a lot of movies i mean this was like the age of that teen comedy where Mm -hmm. we had american pie and this and um there's a few i think this and probably american pie are like the two that really stand out there might be a few more that are okay and then there's just a lot of really bad ones a little uh really bad imposters you try to cash in on it and didn't have the genuine feeling and heart that these did and of course the cast you know this this is an ensemble cast jennifer love hewitt ethan embry uh charlie corsmo lauren ambrose uh seth green there's just so many different people in here uh sean patrick thomas is even in it um there's uh freddie rodriguez just all kinds of joan hart yeah selma blair right um jerry o'connell yeah is he in it he's in that one scene um in the backyard in the swing yeah like, uh, it's just again and again and again. This is actually the first uh, film debut of Jason Siegel. Really? Yeah. He's, when um, she's looking for, after she finds the note and is looking oh, for Preston. He says, oh, he, he wears sit, jeans sometimes. Yeah, he's, he's sitting on the chair, on the yes. on the bench with the uh, stoner guy yes. who's playing with the dinosaur. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> he, Preston's like sort of tall but not really tall and he has like hair and he wears <laughs> he wears shirts and then he has a dinosaur and he's like rawr he wears he likes to wear shirts preston i don't know well his hair is kind i don't know brown no it's not really brown oh he's tall yeah he's kind of kind of tall sort of tall and he's like always wearing like t-shirts yeah So he's sort of tall. Kind of. With hair. Yeah. And he wears t-shirts sometimes. Yeah. Yes. That's it? Yes. Well, I mean, he's Preston. Preston, you know? Preston. I like that guy. Preston! You know who else I like? Who never got much play is Velma from Scooby Doo. She, she was also a cool. She was a hip, hip lady. But uh, Preston's—that makes me think of Preston's style. He's got like the sort of long sleeve shirt with the sleeves rolled up, with a button-up mm-hmm. shirt over it, and the khakis. He's sort of like 
the sophisticated, like not the jock, but also not super stylish, like in the middle somewhere. Um, But I think he just nails this role so perfectly. I think so too. I I think I really liked this one so much too, because I kind of felt like their group of his, like, I felt like it was me in high school where like, I'm not, I wasn't, you know, in the popular group, but I wasn't, you know, really unpopular, right right there in the middle. And I feel like that's where, you know, like Preston and Denise were. And I always thought it was cool that their friendship, because I, in high school, I had really, some really close guy friends. And um, that's not, I don't feel like that, just that friendship is portrayed in too many movies. Right. It's just like this two people. Yeah. You know, showing their friendship. friendship. Yeah. Right. And um, I had that. And so I think that um, that's another reason I really liked this one. Yeah. Yeah. Because Denise is the friend who's um, very pessimistic, mm-hmm. very antisocial, very, um, it, it's, I mean, I had, I, I was probably just like this, but I had friends who were just like this too, where she had this attitude that she was better than and smarter than everybody, but realistically it was because her self-esteem was right. low and, mm-hmm. you know, she, she just had lower self-esteem, so she took it out on everyone else and it was sort of like everyone else is dumb because they don't get it, but, um... <laughs> And then they, they have the, the group of nerds uh, that maybe I related to most, um, and, and they're hilarious. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what their goal was. Uh, they, he wanted to go in. They had and... the whole, like, di- uh, diorama. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Remember, they were gonna, they're, they're on the roof, and they were going to jump on him. And right, they like, had, like, the, the action figures. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, and I always really liked William, too. And I'll tell you, it's funny because I didn't, party in high school much. I mean, I was with my small group of friends. We didn't do any of that kind of stuff. So my first partying experience was when I was in college. And I swear it was just like Williams. It was like, um, you, you know, I mean, besides the blackmail part where you go in and it's like really intimidating and all this stuff. And then you start drinking a little bit. I love the scene where he's like, the beer has gone bad. Yeah. Nobody drank the beer. Like that's another thing that people referenced for a long time. People right. age referenced for a long time. It's probably time. a party joke all yes. the time. Like the first person to tap yes. the keg would be like. And, uh, I remember the first like party that I went to that I, I drank quite a bit at. And it was just like that where it was like, Oh, cause I was at, uh, Iowa state. Okay. I went up there to visit my friend Brian and I knew nobody there besides two people I was with and then all of a sudden like because I'd never drank before all of a sudden everybody there's my best friend right. and I'm like the life of the party and and it's, it's a lot like he's like in that movie it's so funny yeah he, I love it he might be one of my favorite things in this movie and like I was I, I think he goes into the party and he's gonna have this like um breathalyzer where he's, no, he's got that 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 index oh, card. chart yeah. yeah how many drinks you can have for like how your weight and like right he's this, He's so How, what should be feeling and... right. He's so smart that his idea is to go in and drink um, so little that he won't intoxicate himself, but he still fits in. Yes. So he can infiltrate and get the quarterback drunk, and then they're going to blackmail him. But of course, um, he gets to a point where he's had too much to drink and he can't read the card, and then he, <laughs> and then he says, "Screw it, I'm having a good time." Yeah. And he lets loose while his friends are stuck on the roof of the Wait, garage. They're and playing the, those action figures. I yeah. Think, and their flashlights. Their flashlights as lightsabers. Yeah. And, um, next thing you know, he's crowd surfing and right. singing. Oh, I love it when he sings too. Yeah. Fun. And, and there's, take me down, take yeah. And there's that, city. there's that hilarious, um, very small side plot of the band, Yes, which is like an all-star band that has Breckenmeyer uh-huh. and, um, Donald Faison. Donald, yeah. Donald Faison. And, uh, what is it like the, I forget the band name, but it's, it's like 
hilarious because he prints off the shirts and uh-huh. he wants to this one of the members wants to wear it it's like you can't wear the, your own band shirt right. and they get in a fight and um it's like then they they break up and then they get back together and right as as they're about to play their opening songs the cops break up the party so we never even hear right. the band play um but you know donald Faison's like his character like wants to wear the cowboy, cowboy hat. hat he's like if he's wearing the shirt i'm wearing the hat uh-huh. and that's what starts to fight and breck and meyer's wearing uh some like weird ruffle like british yes. austin power style shirt uh-huh. uh and it's it, that probably maybe is more so relatable to me because i was in a bunch of bands in high school and everybody wanted to be themselves and stand out in the band so everybody had their own stupid thing they wanted to do and it was like really uncool to wear your own band shirt but you'd always buy, want to get shirts and stickers and stuff before you even recorded a note um so it's very accurate um yeah uh ethan Embry actually claims he barely remembers filming this movie because he was stoned the entire time really and he's never seen the entire movie all the way through and didn't even read the script before he got the the job he just read what he had to to audition uh and he only read uh the scenes his character appeared in. he didn't read anything in between but he's in most of the movie yeah so he's he's pretty much the main character um I always thought that was kind of cool, too. Just the main characters are just not people... You know, we go from, like, seeing Cher and Dion, these beautiful, rich girls, to having these, like, regular people, your average Joes, be the main characters. Um, I always thought was really cool, too. Well, yeah, and Amanda, obviously, you know, she's the most beautiful, right. but we see... it. The movie makes her out to be, like... Make you realize that she's normal, too, right. and she's dealing with the fact that every guy in high school has always um objectified her and just right. seen her as like a girl they try to hook up with mm-hmm. and her, her struggle with that because even after she breaks up with her boyfriend and she's trying to figure out who she is like every dude is trying to come help her and then right. she realizes quickly that they're only willing to help because they want to hook up with her and you know that's very accurate even her, even her ex you know mike at the party is like gets his digs in on her like yeah oh i hate that mike yeah is the, obviously the most hated character and is there's yes. like nothing redeemable about him he no. sucks the entire movie even his even his friends have a little you know are even a little more redeemable because like they get to the party and they realize like maybe mike's like sort of a loser like yeah. we shouldn't break up with our girlfriends why would we do that just because he did and um they make him absolutely despicable so when you know he gets his it's hilarious like i that the that's one thing, like, you know, I, I felt like Clueless, you know, I mentioned that they didn't take any digs at the the gay characters mm-hmm. or anything. Uh, there's that scene that they probably wish they could go back and take out when uh-huh. uh, Mike is arguing with Amanda in the middle of the party and he yells at her and then there's like an awkward silence and someone drops the F-bomb and everybody laughs at him. It's like, yeah, they could probably go back and yell, like, it, like replace that with something. But, I mean, you can't go back and erase history as part of it, but... Um, yeah, there's a lot of just really funny little little things in this movie. Um, I feel like it also kind of, like, Clueless, like, um, shows you the different, not as, um, you know, predominantly, but shows you the different, like, cliques oh, absolutely. as well. Yeah. I think, which I think is kind of neat, too. Yeah. Um, Melissa Joan Hart, like you said, was in this, <laughs> which is, is so strange because she was, well, she's probably out of everybody in this movie at the time the most well-known. Um, uh, yeah, because I mean, she'd been acting for a long time. By right, then. and looking back, you know, she had her own TV show that she starred right. in, and looking back, it's like, now you look at, you know, all those names, Jennifer Love Hewitt went on to be a huge thing, uh, a lot of the, the actors went on to have big bigger careers than her, but at the time, 
when they filmed this, she was the biggest actress and she plays such a small role of just a yearbook girl who wants to get everybody right. to sign her yearbook. But um, she was filming Sabrina at the same time. So she had to take the small part of yearbook girl. Like she wants, they probably off, would have offered her Amanda Beckett or something, but uh, she could only take the small part, which to me is really cool because it's like, it probably was not a great payday for a small right. role. Um, she knew that she would just be playing a small character and, I mean, I guess it's work is work, but it's like to do that when you're t- when you have this like full, you have your own show, like you don't have to do anything else. And yeah, you're a maybe big star. she at the same time, like because she was acting so young, I think pr- maybe something is to be said about her coming to this this film with people people her age, so she gets to be around this whole group of people her age, and right. it seems fun. Like, I mean, maybe you found something different when you were, uh, you know, doing your research, but. It seems like it would be a lot of fun to film. Maybe she was just looking to have a little bit of fun and relax a little bit, too. Yeah, she well, she definitely didn't relax. She took um, B12 vitamins to stay energized during the all-night shoots uh, <laughs> and admits that Jennifer Love Hewitt was skeptical when, they offered, uh, when she offered the vitamins to her because she was convinced they were drugs. Um, Jennifer Love, or uh, Melissa Joan Hart would have to take them because she would shoot Sabrina all day and then go shoot this at night, and so she wasn't really sleeping. She was doing both. And she had a ton of energy in this movie, too. Right. Like, her small role, like, had to have... Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, they did just call her yearbook girl. Yeah. I was just looking at the credits there. I just seeing that's funny. Yeah, and uh, Charlie Corsmo, who plays William, the, the nerd, <laughs> um, they actually had cast somebody else in this role, and... Um, they filmed some of the movie with him and then recast him. Um, and Charlie Corsmo is known for uh, Hook at the time. In mm-hmm. 91, he was like a kid in Hook, the right. main kid. Um, he didn't do anything between Hook in 91 and this. And then he's never done anything since. Really? Yeah. So he became a huge kid star in Hook in 91. You know, was, yeah. everybody knew him. Didn't do anything for seven years came back for this movie where he was he play, he took someone's place and then nothing after it's so strange that he's really weird. good he's really hilarious i thought he was this. great i yeah. thought it was i thought he you know and i don't know that he could play anything really other than a nerd i yeah. don't know i guess but we never knew because we don't we right. never got he, to see him he was also the kid in what about bob but that was before i think hook he was like the son the young son in the family but um he's actually attending mit when he was offered this role so he probably wasn't, he was probably like, well, you know, acting's not, I mean, a lot of child stars, you know, don't get a lot of work after that right. when they're recognizable. Uh, you know, Macaulay Culkin's been in like th- five things since Home Alone, you know, or I guess like Richie Rich probably was his last one. I love that movie. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, you know, he's probably, he seems like he was actually just a genuinely smart dude. So he yeah. probably was going to school and they offered him this role and he figured out a way to make it work. Um, Actually, Adam Han Bird, the kid from Jumanji, the young boy, was cast as William, but after a couple of days of uh, filming, was let go and replaced by with Charlie. So he just wasn't like dorky enough? I guess. There was one shot of him left in the movie, but it's when they're carrying the ladder back to the house and you can't see his face. Oh, so okay. uh, they left that in because they didn't want to reshoot it because you don't see his face. Huh. Um, the, the title of the movie, Can't Hardly Wait, is a reference to the 80s song uh, from The Replacements called Can't Hardly Wait, which I didn't realize. I, I don't, I've probably heard it, but it's not something that I know very well. Um, doing my research, uh, I think the most interesting part that I've learned was um, there was, 
there were characters in a movie called Crying Drunk Girl who was uh, who had subtitles for everything she said because she was so drunk that none of her speech is understandable. And Stone Girl, a different character named Stone Girl, who was so spaced out on dope that she wanders in and out of a number of scenes. Um, there's, there's a lot of people in and out of all of these scenes it's all over the place really yeah the, i guess these these two characters were their own subplot sort of like um the klepto kid but they <laughs> yes klepto kid that went on to be a klepto in american pie too right um but the crying drunk girl and the stone girl were both uh both their scenes were cut in order to secure pg-13 rating uh but the characters can still be seen in the background they just don't have any lines but apparently they were like Probably more so like, I would imagine, like the um, foreign exchange student. I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah. Chester. But I guess because of the drug use and drinking, they had to cut it because it would have given them an R oh. at the time. Because drug use, like if you smoke in mm-hmm. pot, like, you know, that's considered, uh, I guess, crying drunk girl can be seen falling over in the crowd with the foreign exchange student and crowd surfing during the Paradise City scene. Stone girl can be st- seen staring at a banana in the kitchen early in the movie. <laughs> So they kept a few scenes of them in, but you never, like, they don't get any lines. Do you know if this was really filmed, like, in a house, or? I think so. Yeah, I think they rented out a house, and it was actually shot in there. Because most of it takes place at the one party. There's, at the beginning, and then at the end, they get out of the house, obviously. And, yeah. Um, but for the most part, it's all filmed at this one party. Um, and like you mentioned, Klepto Kid, who's Chris Owen, appears in multiple scenes stealing something. Uh, random items from the convenience store when Kenny and his friends oh, yeah. get their introduction. Um, a small statue that belongs to the girl whose party it is. So you know the, that that's what the character's name. The girl who's throwing the party. She doesn't have a name. So in the title, in the credits, that is called the girl whose party it is. They never call her by name. No. I guess I didn't think about that. Yeah, she's the one that breaks in on. Uh, yeah, and they have her picture on the wall, and they yep. put mustaches on it, yeah. and yeah. Uh, he he steals a uh, Loveburger T-shirt when the band Love is fighting. Burger. Yeah, when the band is fighting amongst themselves, he steals uh, Loveburger, and then um, the probably the biggest one is when he steals a cop car when the police <laughs> arrive. And then at the end of the, and then at the end of the movie, we just see him stealing a gumball machine yes. at the restaurant. So yes. uh, I love that that not only does he do that in this, but he comes back in other. He's he's Sherman Shermanator right. in the American uh, Pie series. Yeah. And he, he looks exactly the same. He's probably, I think he's like an extra in a lot of the movies around that time too, because you recognize him, mm-hmm. you know, in the background of stuff. Um, Definitely. The song actually, or this movie features a song, uh, Damn It, from Blink-182. Um, while watching this film, Blink-182 lead singer and bassist Mark Hoppus was also inspired to write the song Going Away to College. So they used his song in the movie, uh-huh. and then he watched the movie, and then wrote a song about the movie, which is sort of cool. I always thought that it was so weird that like this is this party is the night of their graduation, but then Preston's leaving like the next morning. Right, that's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, because he's got workshops with his favorite writer or something. Yeah, like the next day. Yeah, and and I think they just had to sort of come up with something because you know to make it urgent that he did it at this party. Obviously, a little bit of uh, writing magic, but um, the role of Kenny. He's played by Seth Green, was mm-hmm. actually written for Breck and Meyer, but he was filming something else at the time, so the role went to Seth Green, so he got a smaller part, which was the singer of the band Loveburger, you know, yeah, so yeah. It, it's obviously uh, didn't, you know, take as much, he probably just filmed that in one night or something, all the scenes. I love that little Kenny drives, like, a 
big ass vehicle. Oh yeah, it with. makes sense. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, he's got the. Is it like a big SUV, right? Yeah, I think it's like a Yukon. Probably yeah, like I drive now. Yeah. <laughs> and so we have Donald Faison and Brecken Meyer, who are both in uh-huh. Loveburger in the band and Clueless. So yeah. you know, some. It's like three years later, and you know, it's just cool that they're both in this. You know, and uh, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt said she gave Ethan Embry a teddy bear full of breath mints for their big kiss scene. Uh, he says that everyone on set knew he spent most of his time smoking pot in his trailer when he wasn't shooting, and she wasn't too keen on kissing him because of that. So uh, he described himself as a skunk-scented chimney. Oh. He said he gladly used breath mints as they alleviated his cotton mouth. So apparently he just was like stoned this entire movie. That's, huh? I I, I wouldn't have known that at all. Yeah. At all. I I wouldn't either, but I mean maybe that is how he rolls i mean maybe that's how he calms himself down like right you know what i mean yeah and whatever he did it works because he's hilarious in this and uh he's actually really good now i've seen him in a few things Mm -hmm. recently and he plays some smaller roles he's the lead in uh trying to remember what it's called now drawing a blank but he's he's done a lot of like genre stuff like horror stuff and he's really good I also want to point out that in both clueless and um can't hardly wait that like the lead girl characters it's a lot about their hair like, and all the girls my age wanted hair. Like, Cher has this beautiful hair that's shiny and just perfect. And then Jennifer Love Hewitt has this beautiful hair. Yeah. I, um, that's just one thing that stands out to me about that. Yeah, there's there's just funny little things. Like, um, I think the whole, like, uh, Kenny subplot is really funny. Him yes. and his friends there. And yes. the scene where he's... I mean, he's obviously the big talker and the one upper and, you know, he's going to go there and all the honeys are going to be all over him. Uh And then he almost hooks up with a girl and then she gets away because she's like trying to get back at her boyfriend who slept with someone else or cheated on her. And he's convinced it's going to work. He probably got that backpack of love. Right. Like his candle and just everything for a night of passion. And I just love that, you know, him and Denise end up hooking up later because, um, like I said, she sort of has this attitude and he, he like calls her out on her bullshit and she oh, yeah. calls him out on his bullshit. And they're obviously good friends when they were younger. And then, you know, they went their separate ways and both admit that, you know, they probably shouldn't have taken themselves so seriously and that right. they've made mistakes and that they could still be friends. And then they end up almost hooking up or they do hook, they, up. They hook up. Yeah. They and, do then, hook up. and then the, the girl who had the party, right. Walks <laughs> in on them. But, um, that that whole subplot's really funny too, and his friends uh, are sort of obnoxious, but they're necessary, you know. Yes. So he's not there by himself, and so he's got a little posse. Right, and everybody has their own little posse, and uh, even if it's even if Preston just has Denise with him, that's his sort of group. But I always just felt it was so genuine. Like I know some people who, in high school. I won't name them, were in the same type of boat where they had this crush on somebody mm-hmm. who was completely obta- unattainable. Oh, and yeah. In their head, they had this fantasy that, you know, if you just if they just confessed and told right. them about it, it would work out and they could have this future together. And um, obviously this has like a storybook ending where that actually, she reads it and it later down realizes her mistake and goes and finds him. And, you know, he's like, I'll take a later train. And they the the end scene you know we're jumping all over the place but the end scene where they show where everybody is later right. is so good mm-hmm. i love that too that was a that's something that we don't see in movies anymore i miss i know i like that too um with even i mean 
It's so funny now thinking about it. You know, they do do that on like the end of like Real Housewives. Oh, do they? They do it like, you know, six months to, you know, they're yeah. doing this. But yeah, I like that kind of thing too. That is, that's fun to see where the writers think the characters go. Because isn't it like uh, William is like, he's he pretty much becomes like Bill Gates. He's like a yeah. developer or something. And uh, it's uh, Denise and um, Kenny end up back together, breaking up back together mm-hmm. again. They hook back up in the bathroom 15 minutes later. That's hilarious. Uh, the football player, I forget. He, he gets Mike. like, yeah, he like, something happens to him where he gets like, he pretty much becomes a loser, I think. Yes. He, he screws up something, which is pretty accurate for a lot of the jocks that I went to high school with that ended up, you know, later in life. Uh, their prime was in their high school. We'll for sure. Say. And, and now, you know, they Definitely. would never, never, ever, they, they would treat me like Mike treated him in this movie. Um, but now if I see them out in public, they want to pretend we're best friends. And, you know, I don't, I don't hold a grudge on him or anything you know when we're completely different people than we were in high school but it's just funny to see like how accurate some of this stuff is but um are we gonna talk about jennifer love hewitt um or amanda kissing her cousin yeah that's (laughs) another weird that's such a weird side note yeah that's the dude that yeah well he presses himself onto her yeah and you know acts like he's going to help her and is there for her and stuff and he's He's just a weird character in general. He looks like he's dressed from like a seventies TV yeah. show. Uh, he, I mean, he's obviously older and has the, but his hair's really bad and his style's really bad and it just he he sticks out like a sore thumb. And I think maybe they did it on purpose to make him sort of feel like a creep. You know what I mean? And that makes sense. It yeah. makes sense that he's an older guy that shouldn't be hanging out at the party anyways. Um, I do love Jerry O'Connell's cameo in this. I do too because there's so many people who are like that. He's but I I love that. They didn't portray him as, like, the dude that comes back and um, is a loser still partying with them. He comes back and is honest. And he's like, dude, like, be careful or you'll end up like me. When you go to college, you're nothing. You're starting over. You're you're nothing. You're starting over and you're not the cool guy. There's hundreds of other guys just like you. Right. Like, you're not going to be top dog there. Right. And, and yeah, he asks for advice and he tells him to wear flip-flops in the shower. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good advice. Yeah, that is good advice. It's just, it's just funny, like, how much of it rings true still. And, like I said, looking through the, uh, the cast on IMDb, it's so funny. Like, you know, the, we have exchange student who really has, like, four lines in this movie. But there's so many different little, uh, there's real homeboy, ex- x-file one x-file two are the two different nerds that hang out they don't actually have names they're just called x-file one and x-file it's so two. funny because like i guess you don't i mean i'm i'm horrible at remembering names and movies like i can like we talked about earlier i can either tell you the name of the the actor or actress or like describe them but i don't remember names but i guess i don't remember these people being nameless right i don't know but yeah looking through the imbd too like we just got bass player Girlfriend number one, Jamie Presley is just girlfriend number one. Right, yeah, and she, like, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just I forgot that, yeah, even the, even the ready whip kid, yeah, <laughs> even like the, I mean, Jamie Presley, such a small role as you know, side boy or girlfriend to uh, the group, but Summer Blair is girl Mike hits on number one. Girl and what? Girl Mike hits on. Okay, one. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah, these these are really funny. But there's just, like you said, there's so many people in the movie. Yeah. Because it's such a big party and such a big thing that 
that they can put all of these people on there, but I guess didn't think about naming them all. Well, I think that's also like, I don't know if it was an afterthought or if it was planned like that, but it's just sort of funny to think if it was intended, you know, to give them funny names, like they had the stoner girl and the drunk Mm -hmm. girl that they end up cutting out of the movie, which I really want to see because they shot that stuff. And I I don't think it's on on the Blu-ray, but um, there's even keg guy, you know, um, ready whip kid, like you said, uh, groupie, gossipy girl, ready to have sex girl. Is Nicole, so that would have been the girl the, that, that the Kenny... Girl, yeah, that Kenny was trying to hook up with. Um, ready to have sex is friend. <laughs> Le- language lab girl? I don't even know what that one is. Um, yeah, yes. She sits on the couch with... Oh, and she's like, yeah, I, we... I wasn't even language lab with well, you. Well, she sits with the, on the couch with Denise. And, then, and she's, she's like, like I, see, I told you. Like, her friends her, met her. Yeah, I told you she went to our school. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, there's Earth Girl, Skinny Guy. Sarah Root is Earth Girl. Yeah. And uh, headbanger, hockey guy, horny guy, hippie guy, hippie girl, stoner guy. Oh, that's so funny. Teacher, graduation student, giggle girl, party guest, yearbook girl. She's not Miss Melissa Joan Hart's uncredited in this movie, meaning that her she, name wasn't even in the credits. Huh. Yeah. But she sticks out. I mean, right, every, yeah. everybody knows knows who she is. Right. That's so weird. All night party guest. Uh, there's Gum Boy. I don't even know what that is. Is there someone? I don't know. There's so many little scenes in this movie. Like when, and like I said, it's little things that lead to each other. Like when Amanda finds the note, and then she's sort of like, she's in that state of mind where every guy at the parties has been right. hitting on her all night, and so she's right. like pissed about it. And then she reads a note because that's he he goes to finally speak to her uh-huh. at the worst possible time, and. Um, you know, that's when she flips on him, yells at him, and then, you know, scares him away, and then she realizes her mistake after she reads the And note. then he leaves and meets an angel. Right. <laughs> Which is um, Dharma from Dharma yes. and Greg. Uh, yes. Elfman, yeah. Uh, this angel stripper. Right. He's trying to call the radio Barry station, Barry Manilow, right? right? Yeah. For, yes, to talk uh, to Barry Mandy Manilow. About Mandy, because uh-huh. he's got the connection of Amanda with Mandy. He's convinced that the song, the first time he heard it, was meant for her when he finds out it's about his dog or right. something. Denise is like, he wrote this song about his dog. Right. Like, totally putting her friend down. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Bale. I said I was 16. I mean, this went back to the happy days years, you know, not to mention Joni loves Chachi. God, I hated her. Joni. See, I always knew that somehow I'd meet him. You know, like if I wanted it bad enough, I could make it happen. And it did. Right after his first season of Charles in Charge, he was doing this mall tour, and he came here to our mall. It was like everything was finally falling into place. You know, like it was, um... Fate. So I went, you know, I had this red bandana. Cause you know, Chachi always wore that red bandana. <sighs> I waited there outside. And I was the first person when he pulled up. He got out of that car. <laughs> to do i mean i I couldn't say anything i couldn't even move never even talked to him and he was right there i still have that red bandana the thing is you never know you know like had i at least maybe said something 
never know. But anyway, the point is, I totally realize, you know, fate. There is fate, but it only takes you so far because once you're there, it's up to you to make it happen. You are so definitely right. I know. So look, don't you make the same mistake I did, okay? Because if you really want to be with him, then you get back on that phone and you call Barry Manilow and you tell him how you feel. No. Oh, no, I didn't want him. I was... It's okay. I don't think it's weird. I mean, come on. Scott Baio. We all have our things. Just a lot of, yeah, little funny stuff and like that scene where, you know, they're trying to describe Preston and it's like funny that because they're like stoners and they can't describe him, but also because like it sort of points out that Preston's such like a wallflower mm -hmm. that like you can't, like how do you describe him? He has right. hair and wears shirts. Like there's nothing distinctive about Preston unless you really know him. So like, you know, he's obviously really a good writer into writing that kind of stuff, but you have to know him. But I, I do think it's a little unrealistic, you know, that the girl would read the note and be like, oh, you know, I really do want to meet him and, and date him. Oh, you mean they get stuck to her foot? Right. And then, or does it? It like flies off yes. several things onto a table yes. and yeah, and makes its way through the trash and flies out of the trash. He throws it away. Yes. Yeah. And it gets stuck to a yearbook that Melissa Joan Hart pulls out of the trash can and the note, yeah, the note makes its way to her perfectly, which is funny because, you know, they obviously play that up, but. Yes. Yeah, I really love this one. This one, like I said, it has a lot of um, relatable characters, really funny, really good. Yeah. Did you have any more notes or thoughts? I don't think so. You think you would have watched this if you didn't have a sister? Maybe this one, but not so much Clueless, because this one is more <laughs> gender neutral, I would say, yeah. than Clueless. Clueless is clearly aimed towards females, but uh, yeah, I probably would have watched this one, and I still watch it quite often. It's funny. I would think, if you asked me, I would say that I probably liked this one better than Clueless, but clearly from us talking about it, I know more about Clueless. Yeah. I just feel like I, I don't, I don't know why, but I, I really, I really like this one a lot. I like Can't Hardly Wait. Me too. I have it on like, DVD. I've had this DVD for like, yeah, I was sort of years. disappointed. I have this and Clueless on Blu-ray and I couldn't, neither of them have a commentary track with the director, which I was hoping to listen to and get some notes from, but, um. Yeah, I'd love to hear a commentary track from Amy Heckerling on Clueless, just because I think she's super smart and a great writer. So I don't watch, uh, you know, I don't watch a lot of movies now, um, but I mean, do they even make movies like this for high schoolers anymore? <laughs> you I don't know what think I mean? so. They did when all those. I was in high school. I feel like they made so many movies for high schoolers. Yeah, I don't think so much anymore. With high schoolers, it was it was a wave in the late '90s, and not so much now. But yeah. I'm glad. I mean, we, I loved, there was a lot of good movies at that time and I liked a lot of them, but yeah, I don't know what teenagers watch now. TikTok, I guess. Yeah. They don't have, <laughs> they don't have the patience to sit through a movie anymore. But, I don't either. <laughs> but we'll have to come back. And like I said, we're going to do a podcast with uh, our brother too, yes. and just talk about not any movies in particular, but just off the wall stuff that we watched when we were kids. It's really weird. And uh, yeah, thanks That'd for coming exciting. on and thanks for and having me recording this. And thanks for having me. you know, uh, I'll probably have you on a couple more times because even during this, we discovered a few more movies that you'd like to talk about. And like I said, it might be a little bit of a stretch. It's not necessarily the first time, but it's a first, you introduced this to me as the first right. time. So, uh, it counts and it's my podcast so I can do it. Yeah. No one's going to call me out on it. So, uh, again, thanks for coming on and, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. We'll talk to you guys later on, um, first time podcast. Thank you for listening to the first time podcast. Please remember to subscribe on Apple podcasts, 
Spotify, or wherever you listen to the great podcasts. Thanks to Scott Schreiner of Weezer for our intro and outro music. And last but not least, remember to leave us a review. That's how we get listeners. So like, share, find us on social media, and let us know what you think. We'll see you next time on First Time Podcast. <laughs>